Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, uh, my name's Terry Smith. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at the Life Christian Church, and I'm so glad you're here. So happy for all of you joining us online. I know that continues to be a, a growing number, and I'm so glad you've joined us and that you're uh, plugging into our online campus. Um, hope you all are well today. Uh, feels great in the room, uh, and I'm, I'm just thrilled that you know folks are showing up. Um, and I'm also thrilled that next week we're going to all come together at 10 o'clock for, uh, f- for five weeks. And as we continue to, um, as we continue to hope and pray and encourage folks to come back and join us in person at the same time, thankful that folks are online, but, uh, so many of you would be great to see you. Hope everybody's having a great summer. Yes. I'm, I'm having a wonderful summer, and uh, part of what makes it wonderful is that we got to do something like host Michael Jr. last night for a comedy show that was fantastic. <laughs> and what a great experience for so many of us. I know we had lots of people who visited the Life Christian Church for the very first time last night. That's always exciting for us. We love welcoming people who are new to us. I know that on a morning like this, that even in uh, this less than uh, stellar crowd in terms of number, though your energy is just amazing, uh, uh, I know that there are a number of you who are new to us. We're so glad you're here, so thankful you're here. Hope this is a great experience for you. Hey, listen, my, my only job today is introducing our guest speaker, so I'm just going to do my job, Okay. So Michael Jr. uh, is someone who is well-known in in the world of comedy and beyond. Uh, You know, he's done all the stuff that the great comedians do, the the comedy clubs, the Tonight Show, the Jimmy Kimmel Show, uh, Comedy Central. He's been featured in uh, a couple of feature films like Selfie Dad. Um, He is, in fact, a very funny man. And um, what a nice thing to be able to laugh, right? He also is a a person of depth. The little bit we've been around each other this last couple of days now, it's clear he's a person of depth and sincerity and passion around his faith in Jesus. And part of what he's going to do today is he's going to tell us a little bit of his story. We're so excited to have Michael Jr. Hey, guys, give him a great big TLCC welcome. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for being here. All right. Cool. Thank you. All right. We're going to have some fun. I'm so excited to be here. Pastor Terry is dope. So nice. Took me out to eat. Went to Hooters. Took me to Hooters. Thank you, man. That was delicious. Took me to Hooters. Everybody knew him. Hey, I'm just playing. That's not true. That's that's not true. And then he got a beautiful wife. I didn't even know. I, I hadn't met her until today. But wow, man, you be praying. So I don't know how you, are you safe? You're not a hostage, right? I'm just checking. 
And you can tell that he really got a heart for people, too. Like, you can feel it. Like, I can get a feel for that. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Um, we're going to laugh some and stuff. We're going to have a good time and laugh. And then there's something new that I'd never shared before this morning when I was praying and stuff. God was like, say that. I was like, snap, that would be dope. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, I'm going to kind of tell you my story and what's been going on with me. Uh, how many people were here uh, last night? Raise your hand if you were here last night. I don't mean like alive. I mean actually here. Like, okay, cool. Um, so there's two verses of scripture that's going to apply to what I'm talking about today. So if you want to write them down, cool. And if, if, if not, I mean, write them down and then read them later. You don't got to check them right now. Trust me, they in there, okay? <laughs> so the first one is Jeremiah 29, 11. And then the next one is uh, John 10, 27, where it talks about, oh, they put them on the screen. Man, you guys are good. That is awesome. Just, just one dude who didn't turn the mic on. Other than that, you guys are amazing. Thanks for, <laughs> I was just playing. He's awesome. So those two verses, so I think if you read these later, what will happen is they'll pop in a new way as a result of what we talk about today. But you just write them down now, and later when you read them, you're like, oh. <laughs> and there's another verse that I'm not going to tell you about. I just want you to figure it out. Like, just work on it. Like, just, you'll, you'll, you'll see it if you pay attention. You'll be like, ah, and it's a pretty common verse. You're going to be like, ah, but if you're not in the word, you're just going to be like, mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, let me tell you about my experience at church. So first of all, we're going to laugh this morning. All right, we'll, we'll laugh, and some people would think you shouldn't laugh at church. My response to that is always, what good father doesn't want to hear his children's laughter in his house? So we're actually going to laugh. It'll be dope. And if you don't laugh, um, it's okay. I already got my check. So it's going to work out just fine. Um, <laughs> too late. You just laughed. So when I was a kid, laughing at church was illegal. You couldn't laugh at church. I remember one time laughing. My grandmother would take me to church. I'm seven years old. One time I remember laughing, this lady was jumping around and her wig fell off. I was seven years old, that stuff was hysterical. My grandmother would pinch and twist. I can understand a pinch, you gonna twist? That's the devil right there. And church was miserable. I walk into this church and this dude is up on stage and apparently he mad at everybody. And I figured he was mad because he had some phlegm caught in his throat. Because at the end of every sentence he would try to get it out. He'd be like, the Lord said, ah. Act like you ah. I'm like, Grandma, you need to gargle or something. And, the dude, and he had a Bible in his hand, right? And he, he would play like he was going to throw it at people. I'm seven years old. I'm just telling you, just seven years old. He had a Bible in his hand. He played like he was going to throw it at people. The Lord said, ah, ah. And people would get scared. They'd be like, hey, man, hey, man. I realize now they were saying amen. I didn't know. I was seven years old. One time I go to church, there's a dead body in the front. Nobody explains to a seven-year-old Michael Jr., it's a funeral, it's not church. I'm thinking, yo, that's how they roll. Like every, free, every few weeks or so, they bring a dead body in as an example or something. And a dude on stage would yell at us like we did it. I remember asking my grandma, I was like, Grandma, what happened to the man in the box? What happened to the man in the box? Her whole explanation was, he in a better place. I'm like, what kind of box did he live in before, Grandma? It was miserable. And then they would always, at the end of church, they'd be like, after this, we're going to go to the sister church. I don't even like the brother church. I ain't going to no church with you. Stuff was miserable. And then something different happened. Instead of forcing me to go to church, when I was like 14 years old, my grandmother gave me an option. She said, would you like to go to church? I was like, let me think this over. No. I ain't going to church. This stuff was miserable. I just hung out with my friends. 
We just played and stuff, and we, we were broke growing up. We had no money. We had no... I was actually being sponsored by a family from Haiti. <laughs> That's a funny joke, man. Some Christians don't know what to do with that joke. You can't laugh and shake your head. <laughs> what are you fighting right now? That's <laughs> funny to me. When you don't got no money, you get creative. I remember my dad, right? I was... I think it was just when I was 10 years old. I wanted an action figure. So all I wanted was an action figure, right? And my dad, when I was 10 years old, he handed me a box on my birthday. I opened it up. It was empty. He said, it's Invisible Man. <laughs> I played with that thing for three weeks. <laughs> so my brother hid it from me, man. Stuff was whack. We also made a, me and a friend had a deal right around 14 years old that we wouldn't curse anymore. We did. We, did. we came up with this deal. We went, Let's be real. Like, you, you're not a Christian. As soon as you leave a house, you want to feel like a man. That's what you would do, right? So I'm 14 years old. We used to curse all the time. And then we made this deal that we wouldn't curse anymore. If he heard me curse, he could hit me in the chest hard as he wanted to. And I had to stand there and take it. And then vice versa. And dude could hit hard. So I stopped cursing, like, immediately. So then um, we played other games, too. Remember the game Slugbug? If you're from the East Coast, they call it Punchbug. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, push book. Anyway, so here's how the game works, if you don't know about it. Here's how the game If you see a Volkswagen bug, you get to hit your friend. Those are all the instructions. In my neighborhood, they would take this game a little too far. They would add to the game. You ever play Uppercut Fire Truck? What about Minivan Body Slam? You ever play that game? There's always one crazy dude in the group who will make up games on the spot, like hit you in the throat, tall building. You play too much, man. I'm tired of you. You play too much. So then I also was noticing around this age that I was struggling with my reading. Now, I touched on a little bit this last night, but I'm going to go into detail right now. I would struggle with my reading, and I really noticed it right around 14 years. I knew it before that, but I didn't care. But now I'm noticing girls, too, and I want the girls knowing that I'm struggling with my reading. I used to, like, it, it, was, like it was really, really hard. So I couldn't sound words out phonetically. I'd have to look at the words differently. I'd look at the font size and the color and the positioning, what's in front of it, what's behind it, how people responded to it. I actually came up with seven different ways to look at a word to determine what that word was. Then I got really good at it. To the point in high school, people didn't know I wasn't really reading. I was just working it out really, really fast. Now as an adult, I read just fine, but I still have this ability to look at words and people and situations seven different ways almost immediately. In fact, it's the primary place that I pull my comedy from. So that very thing from my past that looked like it was a handicap, it seemed as if I was dealt a bad hand. God didn't cause it, but he's used it in preparation for what he asked me to do. It's almost as if I was practicing, even though I didn't know I was practicing. Let me say this again so you can hear what I'm saying. That thing from your past, the fact that you never met your dad before, your parents were divorced, you were molested as a child. You were raped. God did not cause that, but he'll use it in preparation for what he has for you to do. Chances are you've been practicing. You didn't know you were practicing. I'm here to let you know you've been practicing. And for a lot of you guys, it's game time. But you have to be able to hear the coach's voice. So as a result of my practice, I find funny all over the place. Like funny just shows up. Like just random thoughts. What, what, came, what showed up the other day? Oh, um, I mentioned this last night, but this cool little white kid walked up to me at the airport. He asked for an autograph. And out of nowhere, it just popped in my head. I was like, what's your name, buddy? He said, I'm Tanner. I was like, no, you're not because he wasn't Tanner. I'm not going to explain the jokes this morning, people. 
it's not really my job. It's not my job. I just present and you got to receive or you just don't. So I hope you're tracking when we went from seven, then we went 14, then we went 20. Now I'm about to jump to 26 years old, but this is where I'm going to take a pause at because this is the thing that I felt like God told me to share with you. I've never talked about this on stage before. So um, I think that it's important. <laughs> this is just, I don't know how this is going. Anyway, I think, this is, I think it's extremely important that you press into your conflicts. So I've done this recently. I'll explain what I mean. When you have a conflict with somebody, there's somebody you just don't like. There's something, ah, you just, ah, you don't like them. They just rub you the wrong way. You should press into the conflict. I don't mean, I don't mean get on their nerve like, yang, 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 yang. I don't mean that. What I mean is, is press into the conflict. So I guess I got to tell you. So I had a conflict with my niece, right? She's not watching this, so it's fine. I can talk about it. So she lives with me. She's a single, she's a single mom, two kids. She lives with me and she has a, She's um, very, uh, this is how it's going to be. I'm like, but you, you ain't got no money. You living here with me. Anyway, so, so, so she says some stuff. She says some stuff about me and how I um, operate. And that stuff, and my wife was there, and we were, it was getting a little heated. And I was like, what? I was like, what? And I'm, I'm mad. And I'm strategic with words. I can hurt somebody with my words like I used to do back in the day. I used to argue with people back and forth. And then they would argue, argue, argue. And then i say something like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Like, and that would drive people crazy. Just don't do that. That's not the lesson here. So she said some stuff about me not listening well. That's what she said. And I haven't heard this in a long time because I do a lot of work on myself. And she said something else about me wanting to be correct in, when I, in certain ways. And I was like, and I'm listening, but I'm upset. And then she mad back and forth. And then my wife was like, y'all need to just take a break for a second. I was like, oh, cool, took a break. But then it hit me. I started pressing in to what she was saying about me. Because if, if you have a conflict with somebody, there is something there to learn. Life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. Life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. So she's saying, I'm not, I don't listen and I'm always pressing and trying to be right. And she said that, and in the moment it was hard for me to receive, but then I had to do the math because this is my niece. She'll be here for a little while. We're, we're, we're really helping her grow up and become a better person and just get some stuff done. But I got to check this, what she said. So I went to my wife afterwards. I was like, hey, she's tripping. Shoot. She said, um, that thing where she said, I don't be listening to stuff, man. <laughs> she's tripping, right? She, and then my wife was like, she took a breath. And I was like, oh, snap. Like there's some truth in that right there. So I'm, I'm getting emotional at this point. So I go, we have a prayer closet, but I ain't even make it to the prayer closet. I'm walking around like, Lord, you got to show me what this is. Like, what is this? Because here's the thing. My family, we love each other. We hang around, we have fun, we kick it. But then we bring in somebody new and there's a little bit of conflict. And instead of just saying, yo, you got to bounce. I'm like, God, what is that? What is that? And God shows me. I've never shared this before. So God took me back to high school and some things that took place in high school that I was still protecting myself against even in, even right now. And she didn't, my niece couldn't see it. She couldn't call it what it was, but she was coming up against it. And I was like, snap, what is this? And my wife had grown numb to it and my family, my kids, because everything is fine. We have, me and my wife got a nine out of 10 relationship. We're always working together. Our relationship is awesome. But now it could get even better because instead of avoiding the, the rub, 
I pressed into it like, okay, God, what are you doing? Because God, God will use sandpaper to get you in the shape you're supposed to be. And if you reject the sandpaper, you're just going to stay the shape you are. But if you press into the conflict, you'll become who he wants you to be. Life will bring you people and circumstances to reveal where you're not free. So instead of shutting them down, instead of saying, get out of my face, I don't like you. But no, start questioning yourself. Wait a minute. Whoa. Because it don't got nothing to do with them. It don't got nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with them. Have you ever noticed a certain person, you just don't like them, and then you just, you done with them? Then you meet somebody else who the same way? Then you done with them, and then you meet somebody else, and they the same way? That's God saying, oh my goodness, when this dude gonna get this? I'm gonna keep sending Shamika's on his way every single time. That was completely extra. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm getting back on track. 26 years old. I went from 7, 14, 26, I moved to New York City. In New York, the reason I moved to New York City, because I grew up in Michigan, and in New York, if you're not funny, the way they let you know is they'll say something like, you're not funny. <laughs> I mean, you, you guys know this, right? So I moved to New York City, and, um, and there's a club there that's really hard to get into called the Comic Strip Live. It's extremely hard to get in this club. This is the story that intertwines with the story I told last night. This is the story in the middle of the stories. I share two stories, this is the one in the middle about being in New York. So at the Comic Strip Live, it used to be this way. If you were new in town and you wanted to get on stage, the open mic started at 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday night. Comedians started lining up at like 6 o'clock in the morning. It's very hard to get in this club. It's finally my turn to perform. Right before I get on stage, a comedian named George Wallace walks in. George Wallace, if you don't know him, he's very established. One of my favorite jokes that George Wallace used to do was he said he was in China and he bought a pair of shoes. And he looked at the bottom of them and it said, made right around the corner. Hilarious. George Wallace walks in. Now, by default, when somebody like that walks in, whoever's next gets bumped. I'm next. I know I'm about to get bumped. This is my opportunity to get on stage. This is my opportunity. I'm about to get bumped. He walks in, and the manager walks over to me, and he, I know he's about to bump me, but no, this is where God shows up for the first time in my life. Well, this is where I noticed him. <laughs> the manager says, hey, listen, George Wallace is here. Do you want to go on before him or after him? You never get an option. Never. So I go on before George Wallace, and I got New Yorkers laughing. Not only are they laughing, he comes in, and he's laughing too. I was like, Snap. after the show, he walks up. There's a bunch of comedians asking him questions. He leaves them, and he walks over to me. And he says to me, man, you're funny, and you're clean. Man, let me, let me ask you a question. He was like, why don't you curse? I was like, I don't know if my grandmother walked in or something. <laughs> That's all I could come up with. What else was I going to say? My friend might hit me in the chest. I'm a grown man. I don't really have a reason not to curse, but God was just working that whole thing out. And he was like, you know what, you're funny, you're clean. I'd love for you to do a show with me and my best friend in a couple nights. I didn't know who his best friend was at the time. You found out from last night, if you were here, his best friend was Jerry Seinfeld. The show took place in, Orange, in West Orange, New Jersey. Like, it, we came here to do the show. Anyway, we do the show, George, we do the show, and then um, I do two shows. I got two stand ovations. I rip, I'm the man. I'm like, yeah. After the show, the club manager walks up to me. And dude invites me to church. He's like, Mike, you want to go to church with me? I was like, ah, I got two stand ovations. Why are you messing this up right now, man? Don't nobody want to go to church? My feet start hurting because when, when I went to church as a kid, my shoes was never the right size. So I was like, man, you're you making my feet hurt, man. You're back up. I ain't going to church. So I told him, I was like, nah. And then 20 minutes later, his fiance, who was beautiful, fine, beautiful, 
pales in comparison to my wife right now, but she was fine back then. She walked up and she was, had this accident. She's like, Michael Jr., would you like to go to church with us? I was like, I was just looking for a church, man. Like, I was just crazy. I was just thinking to myself, I need to find me a church. So I go to this church for the wrong reasons. I can't even find these people. It's like Christian Culture Center in Brooklyn, New York. And I go to this church and this dude is up on stage talking about Jesus. That's it. He's just talking. He ain't screaming. He ain't yelling. He don't got no perm. Dude is just talking about Jesus. Then he did this thing where he said, can I get a hallelujah? I know what that means. That means you want me to say what you just said. But I said to myself, I ain't saying that because I don't know what that means. Hallelujah. I don't know what that means. And then this dude says, in case there's anyone in here that doesn't know what hallelujah means, it's the highest praise you can give. And then I was like, this place is creepy. <laughs> then he did this thing where he did an altar call. He said, if you want Jesus in your life, all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, stand up, come forward, do this prayer, and Jesus is yours. Yo, and I really wanted to do it too. Like, I really wanted to, but I was like, nah, I got to read the pamphlet first. Because I knew a couple Christians and they was creepy. There's some creepy Christians out there. If you don't know any creepy Christians, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Your friends know one. Yeah. Yeah. Or should I say your friend? Your mom knows one. <laughs> so I told myself, nah, I don't know what, because I didn't know. So I told myself I'd read the Bible before I gave my life to Jesus. You don't have to do this. I just didn't. There's some stuff I just didn't know. I even have a Bible. Then this lady out of nowhere, a few days later, just hands me a Bible. I'm not, not at church, like at the mall area. It was a mall at this airport. She just hands me this Bible, and she walks off like the Lone Ranger or somebody. And I even have, and I'm look at the, but first of all, I didn't know it was that big. I don't know if you've seen one before. So the Bible was huge, and I opened the Bible, and the first thing I read is the copyrights. The Bible was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Me too. It's crazy, man. I didn't, we never met before. The whole time you've been from my place. Anyway, so I'm reading the Bible. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible, going to church. And now I really want to give my life over to Jesus. But I told myself I'd read the Bible first. Again, you don't got to do this. But I'm reading, and I got to the part about the job. I'm like, no wonder I don't want one of them. That's crazy, man. No jobs and stuff, man. So I keep reading. I keep reading. I go to church. I keep reading. And I got to the part in Matthew where it said Jesus died for me. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know until I was 27 years old that Jesus died for me. I've been to church, dude was screaming and yelling. I saw the, the cross with the guy on it before, but the same cross I saw on like a rapper's neck on some videos and stuff. I'm like, I don't know. This stuff is confusing to me. I didn't know till right there I read it in Matthew that Jesus died for me. I didn't know. Then I turned to Mark and he died again. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> then in Luke, and by the time we get to John, I'm like, why are you going back in the garden, Jesus? <laughs> you know what's going to happen? What are you doing? Listen, for real, I wish that was a joke. I really thought Jesus died four times. <laughs> like, for real, I was like, man, why he going back? People keep sinning or something. I don't know what's going on. And I remember being in Brooklyn, and I go up to the, and I go to church. I finish reading the Bible. In fact, I never told anybody this, too. Actually, when I first read the, finished reading the Bible, I, I know they got baptisms coming up. That's dope. I baptized myself in, in my tub where I lived in Brooklyn when I had, an, I had an apartment for a short period of time. And I, I baptized myself, but it was a bathtub, so my knees were still hanging out. Anyway, it was, it's just, and I hadn't been submerged underwater. Anyway, well, that's another joke. Anyway, so I, get my, I remember going up to the altar like during the announcements. 
I know you got a picnic. Is Jesus here? Because I was ready. I was like, and now I understand some stuff. I gave my life over to Jesus. And now I understand. I used to be, I used to just think I was funny. Now I understand I'm funny for a reason. Like God has a purpose behind my gifts and my talents and even my setbacks. Just like he has a purpose for what it is he's called you to do. And even your setbacks are just part of your setup so you can deliver what he's called you to do. And he's helping you get there. Like he won't cause any harm, but he'll absolutely use anything that's around you. So instead of avoiding it, press in. I'm not saying press into the person, but just find out like, what, what is that? Why am I so uncomfortable? Why am I uncomfortable in church? Like some people come to church and he's just uncomfortable. Why? Like do the ask God. Cause he was there when whatever happened, happened. And most of the time it's just your brain trying to protect you from some pain from the past. But if you just avoid that and never deal with it, then you all, you just won't truly be free. And, and he wants you to be free. So, so then, as I mentioned last night, I moved, I leave uh, New York City because that stuff was expensive. Like I was paying $750 a month for a couch. That was my whole apartment. My apartment was a couch. So I ended up living um, on the east side of New York for a while. Um, then I moved, to my, I moved to California, right? Now in California, there's a comedy club there called, uh, it's called the Comedy Magic Club. It is the greatest club period. It's the best comedy club. This club is so prestigious, I can't even physically get inside the club. But George Wallace happened to be in Los Angeles. I didn't call him, he called me. And he said, hey, what you up to? I said, I'm in California. He said, Los Angeles? I was like, yeah. He said, I'm here too. He said, you want to go to the County Magic Club? This is crazy to me. So he takes me to the County Magic Club. He can't get me on stage. He can only get me in the club. This club is really prestigious. And I'm brand new in town. I walk in and then I'm looking around, it's all awesome. Then he takes me to the green room. Now, in the green room now is George Wallace, Gary Shanley, Jay Little. Some soldiers in comedy, I'm brand new in town. They got all this food laid out, and I'm just happy to be in a room sharing french fries with these dudes. <laughs> but your gift will make room for you. Now, the reason I was eating french fries only is because, first of all, I was starved. I was hungry. I wasn't just a starving artist. I was hungry for real. But I didn't feel like I had contributed anything what was going on, so I'm just being polite, eating fries, and listening. Now, at the time, they were working on a joke for Jay Leno's monologue on The Tonight Show. Um, they were all working on it, and some of you guys may remember, a football player got hit in the eye with a flag, and he was suing the league for $400 million because he lost his vision in one eye. Now, all of these guys are working on that joke subject for the monologue on The Tonight Show. I'm tripping. I just get to watch this stuff happen. I'm blown back, and I'm just eating, just nibbling on really one fry. And then they got quiet and they looked at me. And I was like, oh, snap. This is an opportunity. I was like, all right, let me see if I got this right. He got hit in the eye with a flag. He lost his vision in one eye. And he's suing the league for $400 million. Uh, he not going to see half of it. For real. Here's the thing. How did I get that joke that fast under that much pressure? The truth is it wasn't as much pressure as you might think because I've been practicing since I was a child in the form of a kid who was struggling with his reading. I was practicing just like you've been practicing. Maybe you didn't know you were practicing. I'm here to let you know you guys have been practicing and for a lot of you guys it's game time, but you have to be able to hear the coach's voice or you'll get in the game, not know what to do and just end up practicing some more. So, so I got 
some, some people, some celebrities, some that you would know, be asking me questions about God. They'll say, tell me about, explain God to me. I'm like, explain God to you? I can't explain God. If I could just explain him, he wouldn't be God. It would be me. And I got an ingrown toenail. By the way, remember that dude in Texas who said he was Jesus? This was a while back. Dude said he was Jesus. He had followers and everything. Not on Twitter. Real people was living with this dude. He said he was Jesus. I put up a picture of him. Dude wore glasses. I'm just going to leave that for you. You keep holding on to that for a little while. Dude, you, you, you Jesus and you got an optometrist. I don't like... So they ask me questions, they'll say, well, how is it I can do all of this stuff that I'm doing and people still say Jesus wants a relationship with me? And I didn't know what to say, but then this hit me. And this isn't even close to how awesome God is, but this is all I can say. God is like being in a car with a navigation device. You ever been in a car with a navigation device before? You ever been in a car before? We can start there. Y'all ever been in a car? <laughs> it's like being in a car with a navigation device. If it says go 10 blocks and turn left, then you go 10 blocks and turn right. It doesn't abandon what you're supposed to do. It recalculates what you need to do to get to where you're supposed to be based upon where you are. Only problem is if you keep making the wrong turns, the road conditions will be different. They may be rougher and you're running out of time. So you have to be sensitive to listen to that voice so you can make the right choice about where you're supposed to be. And that voice, and that voice sounds an awful lot like a coach because you haven't been practicing for nothing. It's game time. So me and my wife were looking at some, um, some old home videos recently. It wasn't super old. It wasn't like on a VHS or nothing. Um, some of the young people was like, what's of a hush? <laughs> so we're looking at some old home videos, and we came across this video of our youngest daughter being born. It's not her being born, because I'm not going to show you that video, because my wife would be like, you tripping. But let me set this up for you. So I took this video. The video you're about to see, I actually took this video, but I didn't understand how powerful it was until I watched the video for myself. So let me set it up. Um, my daughter, she's like two and a half minutes old, right? Like two and a half minutes old, and they got her, um, they got her under a little chicken warmer, the little, <laughs> the little chicken warmer thing to keep the french fries warm or whatever. They got, they got them at the hospital too, it was crazy. I was like, we need to get some insurance. I don't know what this is. So they got her under a little, and the, and the nurse is about to clean her up, and, um, and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. It's okay, Portland, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby. Yo. That was amazing, right? Now, now it's like seven, maybe seven and a half minutes or so later. Uh, the nurse um, is done cleaning her up, and she starts to cry again. I speak up, and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm right here. I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I'm right here, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. Now listen, there's going to be times in life where you feel like you've just been practicing and practicing 
and practice in. And maybe you're even frustrated, even to the point of tears. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is talking to you. And what he wants you to know is that he's right here. He loves you. All you have to do is open your eyes. Do you hear music right now? Yeah, not yet, man. It's not your concert. You got to hold on one sec. You just you're getting a, you're getting everybody emotional. You're getting us emotional right now. I, I got I got one more story I need to share. You over there already just that was smooth though. I don't even know where you came from. I was just over there. That was smooth. That brother just showed up. Just like this is my opportunity. Don't 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 don't. So there's one more story I'm gonna share. And this is a story. First, I gotta tell you how I came up with this story. Then I'm gonna share the story with you. It's a short story. But uh, the way I came up with this story is I was writing a joke, right? I literally, I was just doing what I do. I'm writing this joke and um, I'm sitting there writing this joke and I was writing a joke about the good room. How many people here know what the good room is? Raise your hand if you know what the good room is. See, there's no hands going up. Now, the truth is, is mostly all of you know what the good room is. The good room is that room in your grandmother's house or your aunt's house, or maybe your house. It's that one room that's better than the rest of the house. Can't nobody go in there. It's plastic on the furniture. The china's located there or something. It's really just for looks. Like, you can't even go in there. It's like, ooh, look at that. All right, we're going to go in here and sit on the floor. How many people now know what the good room is? Raise your hand. Exactly. Online. Exactly. So, I'm writing this joke about the good room, and in the middle of writing this joke, God stops me and tells me to tell this story to his people. So I'm, oh, so I'm going to tell you the story. Anytime you want to jump in now, bro, you can. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. No. Yeah. So I want everyone here, I want you to imagine, this is a story about having a relationship with Jesus. I was writing a joke and God was like, here's how I want you to use this. So I want everyone in here, everyone watching online right now, I want you to imagine, imagine that you are a house. Imagine that you're a house. And outside of the house is Jesus Christ. And he wants to come in, but he'll never force his way in. He wants you to invite him in. And the reason some people here, the reason you haven't invited Jesus into the house, even watching online, the reason you haven't invited Jesus into the house is because you're cool with the way things are right now, so it would seem. Whenever you need something, whenever something goes wrong, you just walk up to the door, crack it open, say a little prayer, tell him what happened, then close the door and go back into the house. But that's not a relationship at all. How can you hear his voice under those circumstances? How can you understand what the practice was for under those circumstances? Now, he didn't cause it, but he'll use it if you can hear him. But if the door is closed, you can't. And the reason you won't let him into the house is because your house is a mess. And you think you need to clean it up first. How's that working out for you? Is it really getting any cleaner? You may have bought, you may, there may be drugs or pornography in the house, or maybe you're just buying a bunch of stuff, or you're volunteering, you're just doing a bunch of things, trying to be busy so you can be distracted from the mess. Or relationships, you brought other people in the house, hoping that maybe they could help you clean it up, but they can't. The only one who can clean it up is standing outside the door, wearing an apron with a bucket in his hand, waiting on you to truly open the door. Then there's other people in here right now. You used to have Jesus in the whole house. 
But whether you realize it or not, you have moved him to just one room in the house. The good room. Have you ever noticed how the good room most of the time is the one right up front with the big window? So when people look in, they think the whole house is clean. But it's not. It's just that one room. So when they hear about you coming to church, even the early service, they think the whole house is clean. But it's not. It's just that one room. You quote scripture, but it's just that one room. You give money, but it's just that one room. You volunteer, you sing, but it's just that one room. You got an app on your phone, but it's just that one room. Jesus wants access to the whole house. And I'm telling you, if you will open this door and let him in, he'll show up with a contractor named the Holy Spirit. And it will make sure the whole house is fully functioning the way it was intended to. But none of this happens if you don't open a door because he will not he will never force his way in. He wants you to invite him in. So if everyone in here, if you could just close your eyes, bow your head. I used to wonder, why the hell you do this in church? You're trying to take my money or something while I ain't looking? But the reason I'm doing this is so you can have a private moment where nobody's looking around because every eye should be closed and every head bowed. If you're in here right now and you need to invite Jesus into your house, whether it be for the first time or to re-invite him into the entire house. I'm going to ask you to do something really, really simple. On the count of three, I simply want you to put your hand in the air. Don't overthink this. Just on the count of three, just put your hand in the air. One, two, three. Nice and high. Praise God. Nice and high. Praise God. Okay, go ahead and put your hand down. And now look up at me. First of all, let me say this. I am proud of you. Now, I'm going to say this a certain number of times because God will always give you a number on how many times I need to say that in order for people to really receive it. So I'm going to say that phrase again. I'm proud of you. But what I want you to do is work on receiving it because some of you have never heard it from a father's voice before. I am proud of you. 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 Not because you raised your hand, because of who you are. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something else. This is for everybody who raised their hand and even those who should have raised their hand. Jesus says this, if you will take a stand for me before men, I will take a stand for you before my Father in heaven. So what that's going to look like right here in West Orange is everyone who raised their hand and even those who should have raised their hand, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and remain standing so we can pray together. When you raised your hand, it was like you were reaching for the doorknob. But when you stand up and we do this prayer together, it's like you're blowing the door open so Jesus can come into the house and have full access. This is very important. If you can't do this in here where we're proud of you, you won't be able to do it out there. This is extremely important. And to help with that, so here's what's going to happen. On the count of three, I want everyone who raised their hand, even those who should have raised their hand, to stand up and remain standing. And to help with that, everyone around you, they're going to applaud as loud as they can. But it will not compare to the applause that the angels in heaven will be doing when you stand to your feet and remain standing. One, two, three. Just stand up. And remain standing. Help her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, 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 Praise God. Keep standing. If you're standing up, don't applaud. Just receive the applause of the people around you. If you're standing, don't clap. If you're standing, don't clap. And keep... Okay, so keep standing. All right, so here's what we're going to do. 
First of all, I'm proud of you. I am proud of you. I am proud of you. There are three people sitting down right now who should be standing. I don't know who you are. You know who you are. So you should stand up. There's three people who are sitting down right now who should be standing. So how you do anything is how you do everything. This is how you do. Like, like this is how you do. So if that's you, this is an awesome opportunity to not be the who that you used to be and be the who that you're called to be. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, right? We're going to pray, and then you're going to be different on the inside. It's like you're going, you know, you're still going to be the same on the outside, but I'm believing you'll lose the taste for some of those friends that you had in the past. But here's what's really cool. On the inside, you'll, you'll go through like a metamorphosis, but the only way this thing is going to really come to fruition, you got to start digging into God's word. First of all, when we pray this prayer, you're saved. Nothing's going to change that. But in order to walk into who you're supposed to truly be, you got to dig into God's word. I read God's word on, I listen to it on a regular, like daily. I listen to it this morning. Like it's in the background, it's just running. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Get that stuff in your heart and watch what's gonna happen. So we're gonna do a prayer, and then they normally bring up a white dude to make it official. I don't know which one it's gonna be. I don't know how this going. <laughs> okay, so, so repeat after me nice and loud, bold and clear. And if you're sitting and you need to pray this prayer, you can pray this prayer as well. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die for me. I thank you, Father, that he rose again on the third day. I believe it and I receive it. Thank you, Father, that all my sins are forgiven. Every sin, all sins. Thank you, Father. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are so awesome. Thank you so, so, so very much. Wait, which white guy is it? Oh, y'all just going to do a song? Okay, cool. So they're going to do a song. But listen, here's what I want you to do. You guys can, can have a seat. But here's what I want you to do. After this song, whatever normally happens, when you normally come to church, you normally probably leave and then go to your car. I want you to do something different. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I want you to do something different first in the physical and watch what God will do in the spiritual. I don't want you to do what you've always done is what I'm saying. You just made this decision to stand up and do and make a decision for God and for your life. Instead of doing what you've always done, do something different. Introduce yourself to somebody. Have a conversation with somebody. You actually could go buy some Michael J. merchandise too. But anything that you wouldn't normally do, I just want you to break the normal pattern of what you would normally do. Even if it just means sit in your chair for a while, breathe and listen. Just break the pattern of what you would normally do. I appreciate you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you guys so much.